The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. Let's go now to the Lord in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are so delighted that you have given us the knowledge of the truth and that we can confess it with the mouth and believe it in the heart. These are the truths as summarized in the Apostles' Creed that the church has held to both east and west, west throughout her history, that you have given us salvation, you have given us your Son, you have given us your Spirit. We are so grateful to be partakers of this. We are so grateful to be a part of that one universal church that from age to age has believed these truths and has passed them down from one generation to the next. Declaring your praises from one generation to the next. We're so thankful, Lord, that you have included us among your people. We pray now for the blessing on our time together. We pray that you would richly bless the preaching of your word, that your word would go forth with power by the Holy Spirit, that you would make the word effectual to our hearts, that we would believe them, that we would repent of sin, that we would have conviction where we need to have conviction, that we would have encouragement where there needs to be encouragement, that we would be admonished, that we would be sanctified by your word of truth. We're grateful, O Lord, that you have called us to gather this day, that there's a day that we can gather together to delight in you, that we can be with a body of believers that delight in you, that hold to these truths dearly, that we can walk together that we can walk together as a body in this difficult life, in this hostile world. We're grateful to you, Lord, for all the blessings that you've given to us. And we ask you would continue to bless this church with unity. You would continue to bless us with the knowledge of the truth, that we would grow in respect of the truths contained in Scripture. And that you would use even our time here this evening, being with both speaker and hearer, knowing that apart from you, we can do nothing. So give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive. Bless your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, our passage this afternoon is Proverbs chapter 16, verses 16 through 32. As we continue to make our way through the book of Proverbs together, we are in Proverbs 16. We are looking at verses 16 through 32. Proverbs 16. Verses 16 through 32. Proverbs 16, beginning in verse 16. Let's now hear the Word of God. How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. The wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it.
but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. A worker's appetite works for him, his mouth urges him on. A worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things. He who pursues his or I'm sorry, he who purses his lips brings evil to pass. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Well, this concludes the reading of God's word. Again, may God be pleased now to bless it to us. Well, when contractors are competing for a job, they try to make the best offer. They try to make a better offer than all their competition, not only in the price, but also in presenting the quality of their work. And when a company or an individual is deciding on who to choose, they weigh which offer is the best based on the quality of the work, based on the experience and skill of the workers, and of course, based on the price. Well, in a sense, this is what wisdom and folly are doing, as we saw from Proverbs chapter 9, and this is what we continue to see throughout the book of Proverbs. Both wisdom and folly are making a bid, as it were, and saying, if you come to me, you will be satisfied. The book of Proverbs has been showing us that the far superior and surpassing value lies with wisdom. We see in verse 16, it say how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Take the most precious treasure of the earth. Wisdom surpasses it. Wisdom is to be chosen than anything else. And so we're going to look at two areas of life showing that wisdom is better than anything this world can offer. And the two areas are first, way, and second, words. So first, the way. Verse 17, the highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. So to be upright is this idea of standing up straight, not slouched over, not tumbling down, but to be walking upright. The, this is a figure of speech of describing somebody whose path has integrity, someone who's walking straight on the way. And it says here that whoever walks this way is on a highway. Back then, a highway like, isn't like the highways that we have today. Uh, there were dirt roads, but they would be cleared off so that there wouldn't be a bunch of rocks or other debris uh, on the road so that you could walk straight and smoothly on the path. And this is an idiom to describe the way somebody walks on in God's commandments, the way they walk. They turn aside from evil, from being on a path that causes people to stumble and fall. 
And they also guard their way. They watch closely over it. They pay attention to how they are living. And they also, in so doing, preserve their life. They don't end up in the path that leads to death. And what is one thing they watch out for? Well, verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Well, this is not to say that every time you have a proud thought or every time you say something in pride that you are guaranteed to crash and burn. Rather, this is saying that the culprit behind destruction, the culprit behind a fall, is pride, is a haughty spirit. A proud or haughty spirit is an exalted view of ourselves. It's thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. It is to think that we are always right, that we deserve better, that we should be noticed, that our work should be recognized, that we shouldn't be criticized, and that our understanding is sufficient, that we don't need to be taught or corrected. This is why anytime somebody compliments us, usually don't get an argument out of us. But if somebody criticizes us, then it's, well, wait a minute, you misunderstood. It is to essentially think that we are God and to exalt ourselves to His praise. And this didn't go well for Satan or our first parents. Because of their pride, they had a great fall. And so verse 19 says, It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor, then to divide the spoil with the proud. So this is the opposite of a haughty or proud spirit. It's a lowly spirit. It's someone who doesn't think highly of himself. Now this isn't a false humility where they're beating themselves up for not being righteous enough. Now that's actually very self-focused. Rather, this is not thinking much or highly of oneself in his heart. It is better to have this with the poor then to divide the spoil with the proud. Now back then, dividing spoil came as a result of winning a great victory, and you were digging into new treasures. You would have the enemy's treasures, and it was greater than Christmas. Well, Scripture says better to be poor, which is obviously not as good as having a lot of treasure from the earthly perspective, but better to be poor and be humble, and to be proud, and have all these treasures of the world. Then verse 20, whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Now, this is a bit difficult to interpret because the Hebrew says, whoever looks to a devar will discover good. Now, the Hebrew word devar can mean a word, can mean a thing, or can mean a matter. The ESV chose word, while some of your other translations shows matter. I think it's best to translate it as matter given the context of wisdom of carefully considering how to handle certain matters. In any case, we once again see here the need for careful consideration. It's foolish to rush into things. It's foolish to think that we have it all figured out and not take time to consider things. And so it's important to remember, as our verse goes on to say, that the one who trusts in the Lord is blessed. I think the connection here 
is that rather than rushing into something, we wait on the Lord. We seek Him. We depend upon Him and His wisdom, committing things to prayer, committing things to Him. Then verse 21, The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. So the heart is the proper seat of wisdom. However, wisdom doesn't stay there, but it manifests itself in one's life so that others recognize it and call the wise of heart discerning. They, they see the skill and the careful decision-making with which the person of understanding and wisdom is able to maneuver through life. And we'll get to the second half of the verse in just a little bit. But transitioning now to the way of the wicked, verse 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now it's amazing to consider that somebody would take a way that ends in death. I could see thinking, okay, we should pursue this business idea, but it doesn't make as much money. Or maybe if we take this route, we'll get there faster. But then there's a delay. I could see, you know, things like that, but thinking that there's a this this way that's right that ends up in your death is something quite amazing and shocking. Who would ever take a way that they knew would plunge them to their death? And yet, this is the deceit and folly of the human heart, thinking that a certain path is best, but it ends up being the way of death. But the heart loves sin. It will justify its sinful lifestyle because it doesn't want to give up sin. The way of death is this broad road that the world delights in and calls right, but it leads down to destruction and eternal death. Then verse 26, which... There's some ambiguity here. It says a worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. Now, this is talking about incentive for work. But is it good or bad? Well, it could be bad in that this proverb says that this man would otherwise not be inclined to work if he didn't go hungry. And we see in Colossians that whatever we do, we are to do to the glory of God, we're to do it for the Lord, whatever work we do. And not to say that, well, if you want to work because you don't want to starve, that's bad. I'm not saying that at all. It could be telling the hirer that the worker is not legitimately there to serve him, but rather to get fed. So understand this as the incentive and treat him in light of that. Verse 29, a man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. This could be referring to a man like Cain who deceived his brother and said, hey, come out to me at the field, and then ends up dying. Or it could be that men of violence are not merely those who physically harm others, but who destroys others' livelihoods. They entice people down a destructive path, a path that is not good, one that leads to misery and spiritual death. Therefore, we don't follow them down whatever path they want to lead us on. In verse 30, Whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things. He who pursues his, he who, I keep saying pursue, he who curses his lips brings evil to pass. So this is literally squinting the eyes. And this is a cultural cue that this person is up to no good. You ever see the, the evil grin on the Grinch? Or I'm going to date myself here, Looney Tunes, when the coyote 
finally comes up with a plan to get the Roadrunner. He kind of has that evil smile. Well, there are certain cues that indicate that someone's not up to good. And back in that day, it was squinting eyes or pursing lips that they were plotting evil. And so what we're being warned here is that we need to avoid such men, dishonest and violent men, and be alert to clues that they are up no good, which they are seeking to hide. Then the Proverbs turns to the men we should follow. Verse 31, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a life of righteousness. Now again, this is a general truth. Not all gray-haired people are righteous or wise. However, the proverb calls gray hair a crown of glory. This again reveals that wisdom is better than anything that the world has to offer. The world has many trophies and crowns of, of glory, you know, based on athletic achievement, based on money, based on power, based on might. But here the Word of God says that the crown that you should desire, a crown of glory, a crown that you should recognize is one of gray hair. Gray beard counts as well. Now, we think quite the opposite today, don't we? We make fun of age. We make fun of getting old. And in a certain sense, it's not fun getting old. In the body waste away, it gets older. We start having more aches and pains. You can get mentally slower. There's decline. But wisdom comes with age and experience, generally speaking. Things that youth are just beginning to experience have already been experienced by the aged. So we should respect the gray-haired and humbly acknowledge that they have more wisdom than we do. I'm expecting to hear an amen from a gray-haired person. <laughs> Verse 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit and he who takes a city. Being a mighty warrior and taking a whole city is indeed great strength. I mean, we would stand in awe and impressed by somebody that would take a whole city. I mean, what strength and might is that? However, greater strength has he who controls his temper. And this reveals that sin is as a mightier foe than a whole city and requires greater strength beyond that of a warrior to subdue it. It requires union with Christ. It requires us being one in spirit with Him through faith where we have been crucified with Christ, where we have died with Christ, where our old self has been buried with Christ, and we've been raised with Him to newness of life where Christ is in us we no longer live but it's Christ who lives in us it comes as a result of Christ dying for us of Christ paying the penalty for our sins in full and by virtue of our union with him and him dying for us we dine with him having a death like his and having a resurrection like his that is how 
we are able to overcome any sin, including anger, giving us a spirit of self-control. Thanks be to God that He has given us the Spirit. So we see how wisdom is better than all this world has to offer in that it directs our ways. The second area, more briefly, showing that wisdom is better than anything the world can offer, and that pertains to our words. So going back to verse 21, it says, The wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. So we see the connection here between having a wise heart and good speech. After all, Jesus did say, From the outflow of the heart the mouth speaks. And we see that especially in verse 23, which says the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. So it is a heart that is wise that makes the speech judicious and persuasive. Gracious words flow from a gracious heart, a heart filled with wisdom. And we see in both verses 21 and 23, that this speech is persuasive. It wins people over. It attracts the hearer. People give their ear to it. See, it's important that we focus not only on what we say, but also on how we say it. There, there's an art to it. There's wisdom that, that needs to be applied to our speech. It's not about winning an argument but about winning the person, the hearts and consciences of the hearers. The wise of heart have persuasive speech because it is, as verse 21 says, sweet. They do not sting. They're not filled with anger and pride. Rather, they are gracious words that the hearer perceives is coming from the one who cares about them. As verse 24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So this is the sweetness of speech. Gracious words. They are like a honeycomb. Honeycomb was the sweetest thing you had back then. Back then they didn't have ice cream. They didn't have chocolate. They didn't have other sweets. The treat that was sweet back then was honey. And gracious words are said to be like honey. Not just polite or southern talk where everyone's kind of superficially kind, but words filled with grace, genuine love and concern for others that seeks to cover a multitude of sins rather than just dig them up or immediately point them out and delight to point them out. That seeks to cover shame and gives words of encouragement that lift up the hearer. These are sweet to the soul and health to the body. Not to say we never point out sin. Not to say we never say things that are going to be hard to hear because the truth is hard to hear and it will offend people. But let us be offensive with the truth and not with our manner or the way we convey these words. And keep this in mind when it comes to evangelism. Gracious words are like honeycomb. And they are persuasive. So let us watch our manner as well. And verse 22 uses another analogy. It says, Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. 
These words come from good sense, which is said to be a fountain of life. Another analogy being used. It's like a spring of refreshing water that revives and revitalizes those around him. But this is not the case with the wicked. The second half of our, of our verse says that the instruction of fools is folly. The redundancy here is even ridiculous. It's bringing out the foolishness of fools. The only thing that fools have to offer you is foolishness, is folly. That's the only instruction they can give. And the speech of fools is also discussed in verses 27 through 28. So verse 27, a worthless man plots evil, and his speech is like a scorching fire. So we have another analogy here. We had speech like a honeycomb, sweet. We had speech that's like a fountain, refreshing. But with the fool, it's like scorching fire. It comes from somebody who plots evil, who's a worthless person. Far from being sweet like the honeycomb, his speech is like scorching fire. It burns his hearers with insults, hatred, anger, that delights to point out fault and tears the person down, does not seek the good of the person. Even in correction doesn't seek the good of the person, but seeks just to tear them down rather than build them up. And the destruction of his speech continues to be described in verse 28. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. So a man who is a liar, who's dishonest, he spreads strife. He stirs up dissension. He speaks lies about people that create conflict and controversy among others and with the one about whom he speaks lies. And a whisperer is another word for a gossip. He or she is said to be a whisperer because they're saying things behind people's back. Hey, did you hear the dirt about this person? Ah, let me tell you. And there's in our flesh, we delight in this because it exposes others' people's guilt and shame. And it makes us feel good. makes us feel good about ourselves when we could feel more righteous than others. This breaks and ruptures relationships rather than promoting peace. It separates close friends. But thanks be to God that our Lord Jesus Christ is the opposite of the evil man. While it's hard to hear some of the things he says about our sin and misery, yet he told us the truth in love. And he had gracious words that were sweet as honeycomb. What words can be sweeter than come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Especially to those who by nature are fools. Even as we hear the Proverbs here about what a wise person looks like, what a righteous person looks like, we know that even as believers, we don't measure up to this. And so how sweet it is to hear of His forgiveness. How sweet it is to hear that He was righteous for us. That He is our righteousness. That He obeyed in our place. What sweeter words can be heard? What more persuasive words can be heard than, I am gentle and lowly of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. You can come to me. 
What sweeter words can there be than the words, take heart, your sins are forgiven. Rather than separating close friends as the dishonest man does, as the whisperer does, our Lord Jesus Christ reconciles enemies. We who are God's enemies have been reconciled to God and we now have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ at the cost of His life, the cost of Him laying down His life and facing the scorching heat of God's wrath. He rose from the dead, forever bearing our sins, forever bearing the old man, giving us newness of life. And because of this, we hear the sweetest words we can ever hear. I will remember your sins no more. Because this is who we are, and this is our hope, secured by the great suffering of our Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, may we be people who have a wise and holy walk and have wise, gracious, and sweet words. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for our Lord Jesus Christ and for His righteousness. We are thankful that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Him. And that because of His righteousness, we stand righteous. Because of His atoning sacrifice, we no longer stand guilty or condemned, but justified. And because of this work, the old fool has died. And the new man who is being created in the image of the wise one is alive. And so we ask, O oh God, that you would help us to pursue holiness in the fear of the Lord. We ask that you would help us in our ways and in our words, that we would be people who are gracious and kind, that we would be people with sweet speech that's persuasive, that we would be our, like our Lord Jesus Christ in this, both courageous and bold, but also wise, kind, compassionate, and gracious as he is. We ask this. In Christ's name, amen. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.